of us can think back to what seemed like our most hopeless situation. That time where you felt like there were no answers. There, there was no way to overcome it. That hope was truly lost. So I prayed over the sermon and thought the past few weeks thinking about the situations in my life that seemed hopeless. I kept coming back to a story I've heard before in late summer to early fall of 2011. We had um, we had been married for eight years at that point. Uh, <coughs> served in a church. And we had Lost one baby, pregnant again, and lost the second baby. Uh, and of course, that devastated us. We ran off uh, to Wyoming. I don't know why. <laughs> Wyoming was the place to go. Uh, we ran off to Wyoming and came back and decided we were, we were done. We weren't going through that pain anymore. We were finished. We were going to adopt instead. So we started going through the CPS classes. We got two classes in and we received a phone call saying that budget cuts. We're no longer going to work with people who aren't related to the kids this year, so we're sorry. We'll have to reschedule you for next year, maybe. In that moment, uh, life seemed very, very hopeless. Um, seemed hopeless for Carrie, who her only calling she felt in life was to be a mom. Felt hopeless for me as a husband who had no way of fixing the issue that was going on with my wife. And uh, put on a brave face and we mustered on. We went to a fifth Sunday scene in Quanah, Texas. And we sang. Might have been the first time we sang. I don't remember. It was, we sang. And Afterwards, a guy walked up and was just out over the moon. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're here! Who are you? I used to be the pastor of this church over in this town, and I came to your church here three months ago, four months ago, because I have a word from God for you. Do you believe in words from God? And I was like, this is a trick question. And he was like, God wanted me to tell you he's still the God of Abraham and Sarah. Okay. So I pulled Carrie over and, and, and told her the same thing. And, and we walked away really thinking, hey, CPS is going to open the door again. We walked away thinking, CPS is going to open the door again. Because, you know, Abraham was the adopted father of all the Gentiles. So that's, that's the direction this is going. And then our life fell apart. My mom passed away. And then things fell apart where we were. And we came back. And we left that church, and it was not a very good experience. And we we drove. We were homeless for a month. We literally we we put it. We sold everything except for a handful of family heirlooms. We put them in a storage building. We piled everything into our Nissan Altima that we owned, and we drove around for a month. We slept in the car some nights. We slept in a tent in a, in a state park other nights. We slept on couches other nights. We did all these things. 
And then God brought us back a month later to fill an interim youth position in Quanah, Texas. And almost a year to the day from when this guy gave us this word from God, while I was on staff in this church where we were given this word, Shiloh was conceived. And our world changed. <laughs> and our world changed. Today's passage looks at what seems to be a situation that's pretty hopeless. I mean, Israel is gone into exile. They are off in Babylon in some of the most horrendous conditions. You read over in the Psalms, and they talk about the rivers of Babylon, and how can we sing a song of Zion when we're not in Zion? How, how can we do this? We're not where we want to be, and, and God... God's kind of abandoned us. They felt hopeless. And so in the midst of this, Ezekiel the prophet shows up. And here in, in chapter 37 of the book of Ezekiel, our passage today is one that many of us find familiar. Most of us at least have sang about it as a child. Them bones, them bones, go walk around, around. We're singing that song. And so here, Ezekiel finds himself in what is known as the Valley of the Dry Bones. And so it picks up there in Ezekiel chapter 37, starting in verse 1. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by his Spirit, and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He led me around, all around them. There were a great many of them on the surface of the valley, and they were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I replied, Lord God, only you know. And he said to me, prophesy concerning these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God says to these bones. I will cause breath to enter you and you will live. I will put tendons on you and make flesh grow on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you so that you will come to life. Then you will know that I am Yahweh. So I prophesy as I have been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bone came together, bone to bone. As I looked, tendons appeared on them, flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy in the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the Lord God says, breath, come from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, the breath entered them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Look how they say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Lord God says. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them, my people, and lead you into the land of Israel. You will know that I am Yahweh, my people, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am Yahweh. I have spoken, and I will do it. This is the declaration of the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you, and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would Take this time. Father, use it for your glory. Father, use me as the vessel of the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your message this morning. We ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake and all God's people said. Ezekiel looks around and he is in a valley of bones. And they were very dry. These, 
These weren't recently dead bones. There was no marrow still there. This wasn't roadkill. These bones really couldn't be used for much of anything. They were brittle. They were done. There was no mistaking that these were the remnants of a great army. There's no mistaking that they are really dead. There's no swoon theory here. This wasn't, oh, they may be dead, but they're just plain like a no. These are dead. They're gone. They're decomposed. All that's left is bones. It's a valley of bones that has been dead for months, if not years. And then suddenly Ezekiel finds himself right in the middle of it. Ezekiel's been standing and prophesying to Israel in Babylon for years with his arms outstretched saying, just follow God. Just do what God has called you to do. Just do what God wants you to do and everything will be okay. It'll be fine. God will come to you here and He will bring you back. But they have turned away from God. They're not following God anymore. They, they have come to the point where God has expelled them from their own land that He promised to give them because they didn't do what they're supposed to do. And so Ezekiel's here and he sees it and he looks around and then God asks him a strange question. He says, Son of man, can these bones live? They're bones. Can they live? <laughs> An honest answer. You know, sometimes the questions of faith seem impossible. This was a question of faith for Ezekiel. God looks at Ezekiel, shows him the remnant of this great army, and he says, can these bones live? I asked the question, only one of us had the guts to do it, and she's six years old. She said, no. <laughs> They're bones. Because in our flesh, we look and we say, what? They're bones. They're gone. They can't live. But this question seems impossible. It's a valley of bones. It's not a valley of bodies. It's not like these, these people have just been through a great battle and they're simply lying there and God could just say, hey, get up. This is people who've been lying there for a while. It's not even just the dust of the ground like in Genesis where God went and made a man. It's not that. I mean, even when he made Eve, he took a living bone and made a new woman. He didn't take a dead bone. There are some differences here. So when he asks Ezekiel this question, it kind of seems impossible. God wants to know, can these bones live again? Sometimes the questions of faith seem impossible. You know, for me in that story I just told, there was another question in our hopeless situation. The last thing he asked me was, do you accept this word from God? Because he could give it to me, but I could not accept it. It's an impossible question because he was asking me to do put some faith in something that, that I really wasn't sure that I, I wanted to, to believe in. I mean, I couldn't just hear it. I had to accept it. Sometimes the, the questions of faith seem impossible. Sometimes they may seem silly, but they're still impossible questions. Um, yeah, I know. Some of you give me a, a hard time about beard. Uh, there's a story behind the beard. Almost nine years ago, I realized that I was raising a young man in a society where all the boundaries were being blurred. All of them. And I began to say, God, what, what can I do that'll, that'll make me stand out 
that that's on the face of it masculine. <laughs> Pun intended, I guess. Because <laughs> um, honestly, most women can't grow a beard. If we're being honest, right? I mean, they can't. And so God said, this is what you can do. You know, even in the Bible, they had me. I'm like, okay, God, I, I can do that. And Carrie was like, yeah, I like a beard anyway. So, hey, but I'd been at the church for four years, five years. We were comfortable. <laughs> and then God began to have us put resumes out. And there's a pattern that I would always keep because we're Baptists. And so, when it came time to put resumes out, what was the first thing I would do, Carrie? Shave. Because we're Baptists. And so, I went to, to, to begin putting resumes out, and I started to go shave. And I was like, but if you've ever grown a beard, it's a hard step to take to shave, because there's a lot of work that goes into it. I don't put curlers in it, but you know, hey, there's some stuff that goes on there. And God said, don't shave. I said, but God, I'm Baptist. I might as well say, let's not be potlucks. I mean, it's going to go over the same. And God said, do you trust me? Do you trust me to open the doors that I'm going to open and close the doors that I'm going to close? Do you trust me? I said, okay, God. I'll trust you. And so... I had sent like five sermon videos and one of them I was shaved and when I got here Josh was like, oh whew, I thought you were going to be shaved when you got here because that one had a clean shaven face. And I was like, no, I didn't. So I thought, okay, that's fine. And then we came that weekend and we were call and I was thinking, well maybe, you know, if you said that, maybe, maybe there's just, maybe it's an okay thing. And then the first deacon I met was Kevin Moore. I can't even, I can't even mention, imagine him with a beard. So I went, huh. Maybe. And then I met Barry. <laughs> and, then, and then we had the deacons meeting. And one by one, the deacons start walking in. You know, there's Richard. <laughs> there's Kenneth. I'm thinking, really, God? But then Ned walked in with his gorgeous Kenny Rogers beard, and I felt okay. But, you know, it was one of those things that I had to trust God that moment to be who I am. Because the truth is, I either look like the guy in the big red suit or I look like Sasquatch. There's not much in between. <laughs> and so, I, I, you never know how that's going to go over. And God said, do you trust me? Sometimes the questions of faith, they do seem impossible. They're not going to be easy. You know, will you pay me before you pay you? That's the principle of the time. And logically, it shouldn't work. Let's be honest. That does not make logical sense. But it makes spiritual sense. God says, do you trust me in that? Do you trust me in this situation? Do you trust me to provide? Do you trust me to protect? I've had friends who've been asked by God to leave good paying jobs to follow him somewhere else. To full time ministry. To tent making ministry. Or just to go somewhere else because their family need but possibly my favorite, maybe one of the hardest things he ever asked, is to keep scrolling when someone posts something stupid on social media. Because God asks me to do that every day. And we have to learn. God asks us impossible questions, but notice Ezekiel's response. Only you know, God. 
You know, the answer to every impossible question of faith lies in the person and power of God. That's where the answer is, every time. If it's an impossible question, it's not gonna, the answer's not going to be over there. It's not going to be in here. The answer to that impossible question is always going to be in the person and power of God. Ezekiel chose to limit his power. He said, only you know God. He knew that God alone knows what God's going to do. He knew that God alone could raise these bones if he chose to. You know, we can learn a lesson from Ezekiel today. Only God knows what he's going to do with this church. Only God knows the full potential in this community. Only God knows the way to bring to life a dead and broken world. So maybe God is asking us this morning, can these bones live? Let me be honest for a minute. I guess I'm always honest. But, um, I love Lafayette. I love living in Lafayette. I think Carrie does. I won't speak for her. That's good to know. Um, I love pastoring this congregation. I love the support and the relationship we have. But, but I do have one thing that bothers me occasionally. Now it's like the book of Revelation. Okay. Um, I've heard from different people at different times some thoughts like, well... This church isn't what it used to be. Sometimes we, we talk about and remember days of the past like we talk about somebody at a funeral. That's tough. Especially for someone like me or Matt or our families. We weren't here for that. We weren't here for those days. And it's hard because if those are the glory days, what's ahead? We're supposed to be a, a forward and a few times in the past week, I felt like Ezekiel standing in the middle of the valley with the question of the Lord ringing in my ears. Can these bones live? Do you hear it? I can hear it. God is saying there's much more to be done here. There's much more growth to be seen. There's much more things to be done. Let me assure you, God knows what God can do in this community and in this church. And our answer to that question has to be the same as Ezekiel's. You know God. You know yes. You're sitting there and you're going, well, only you know God. For us, it was, can we have a baby? Only you know God. Maybe for you, it's, can I be healed? Only you know God. Can I trust you with my money, with my job, with my family, with my church? Only God can take those things and make wonderful things out of those. Only God does that. But then he shifts these gears. And he goes from questions to directions. I can't imagine being Ezekiel here. <laughs> I'm standing in the middle of the valley of bones. Ezekiel's probably reached down and well, kicked him at least. He didn't want it to become unclean, so kicked him. It's like, man. And God says, prophesy to these bones. Tell them to get up and live. He's in the Valley of Bones by himself. 
feel like an idiot sometimes up here. But he, Ezekiel's there. He's looking around. He's being told to prophesy to the bones. And he does so. You know, to see God do the impossible, we have to do our part to make the impossible possible. Mm -hmm. That's good. We should write that down. We have to do our part. We have to do exactly what it is that God wants. God didn't say to Ezekiel to do something big. Did you notice that? He didn't say, Ezekiel, I want you to go and find the best scientists of your day. And I want you to go to work. He didn't say, Ezekiel, I got a job for you now. These bones are scattered. I need you to put them back together in the order they go in. So that I can put them back together. He didn't say, I need you to invent them. He didn't say, I need you to make them live. He didn't say, draw up a plan. He didn't say, invent something that will do it. He said, prophesy to them. He asked them to do something that required faith. Preach the good news. Tell them that God is capable of the impossible and believe it. Are we doing that? Are we telling people that God is capable of the impossible and actually believing it? I mean, when we go and somebody says something, they say, will you pray for me? Do we just kind of go, yeah, I'll pray, and then we never pray? <laughs> because we go, well, somebody else is praying for them. Maybe not. And maybe they need your prayer. They need you to believe. They need you to do this. If we're going to see God do the impossible, we have to do our part. Sometimes that's simply following God in faith and believing that God can do what others say He can't. Man. It's knowing the promises and leading of God and living like you believe them. And sometimes the way God works is unexplainable. When Carrie and I were, were newly married 19 years ago, uh, we had a bill. We always set bills. Um, we had a bill that was due. And needed a certain amount of money. And it was money we didn't have. It just wasn't there. Uh, I could try to get creative, but there wasn't any money on the credit card to pay it. I mean, it was just, it wasn't anything there. And Carrie's family and my family are different. And so, I kind of went, okay, God, how are you going to do this? You better do this. And Carrie, you see that cartoon? I mean, she's buying her fingernails. She is, she is beside herself. How are we going to pay this? They're, they're going to come and take our car or something. I don't remember what it was. I said, you never know. Maybe we'll get home and there'll be a, a check in the mail. And she said, you're out of your mind. <laughs> you're out of your mind. You're crazy. She's like, who did I marry? Oh, my gosh. Is it, is, can I get an annulment? I mean, you know, she was like, this person is out of his mind. And we got home. And guess what was in the mail? Uh, insurance refund for the amount of money to cover that bill. Because sometimes God does that. Sometimes God works in that way. And, and, and it, it happens time and again. There are times where, where we go, how am I going to do this? And inexplicably, the money shows up because God works that way. Ezekiel here is faithful, and he does what God asks, and then 
there's this rattling of bones, and the ground shakes, and there's a whole lot of noise. But no life. There's a whole lot of noise. There's a whole lot of movement. But there's no life. You know, activity does not equal life or God's spirit. Let that sink in for a minute. In our society, we tend to measure success in God's blessing and activity and in number. Look how much they have going on. Look how many people they have. Look at that Facebook post. Those aren't bad things, but they don't automatically equal life with the Spirit of God. I mean, let's go back to Ezekiel. Can you imagine that valley in that moment? had to have been an awful racket. All of these bones suddenly moving all at the same time. The ground shaking. Everything's going on in Ezekiel's in the midst of it. And there is a whole lot of noise, but no life. Ezekiel had followed God's instructions. He had prophesied to the bones, and they came together. They formed actual people. And there was a whole lot of noise, but there was no life because the Spirit of God had not yet entered into them. I think there are many churches in America who have the same problem as these bones. They're getting preached at but not receiving life. They're bringing in new programs but they're not having life. They bring in different forms of worship but no life. They bring in technology and special speakers and entertainment and everything else that society tells us makes an organization grow but they still have no life. They have a whole bunch of noise but no life. We see it all the time. We see what's going on. We have all of this. A lot of noise and no life. Many churches offer everything you can imagine, but they don't offer life because there is no life without God there. It's just noise. Without God, it's just a shell of what it should be. Now, I'm not saying programs are bad. We have programs. Programs are what make things run. But if those programs are there without God, it's just noise. It's just a seminar. It's not church. In fact, in fact, if you have tons of things happening, but only a handful of people do it at all, that's not life, that's death. Oh, I struggled with that one this week because uh, one of the reasons you all at times make it frustrated with me is that this is what happens. Someone will come to me and say, you know, I really think we should blank. Put your blank in there. And my reaction is usually, that's a good idea. What are you going to do about it? That's a good idea. Why don't you start with that? Because I want us to be an empowered church. I want us to be a church where every member functions in the capacity God has for them. We don't want to be a church where someone says we should do this, but they want no part in getting it done. Because that just becomes noise. It's not life. Life is moved through the Spirit of God. I don't want to be noisy but lifeless. I want us to be life-giving. But I don't think this message is just for the church. I see it in individual lives too. A whole bunch of noise. 
We fill our lives with so much stuff that we quit living. There's lots of activity, lots of noise, but no life. You know, the creator of life created it with rest being central. You could even say that you aren't really living if you aren't resting. Somehow we forgot this. I was talking with a friend this week about this phenomenon, and he said, you know, all I know is that it isn't good what I'm seeing in America. Just a bunch of tired people. So I don't see it in Europe. I don't see it in Africa. I don't see it in Mexico. I don't see it anywhere else, but I see it in the USA. And the crazy thing is, most people would tell you the church is at the least irrelevant in Europe, and at the most in ICU. But they follow a God-ordained pattern of rest. But here in America, the only nation that has ever really claimed to be a Christian nation, we just ignore that part of it. We have to remember that activity doesn't equal life. We don't have to be busy to be living. Because life only comes with the Spirit of God. The only time it comes. It's an interesting wordplay in the next few verses. Some translations have the word wind. Some have breath. The word here is the Hebrew word ruach. Which means wind or breath. So go figure. That's why it's that. But it is ruach. It's the same word found in Genesis. When God breathes into Adam. And he creates a living being. When Ezekiel is told to prophesy to the breath the wind of God. And when he does so, the army comes alive and stands before him. Before the breath of God, they were bodies. After the breath of God, they're a great nation. There is hope found for us in these words this morning. We don't need new programs and noise to build the church up. We need the Spirit of God. We need to let God move. We don't need schemes and plans to see God's blessing in our individual lives. We need the Spirit of God. Apart from God's Spirit, everything else is just noise and distraction. You went to the the fire worship thing that night. There was a lot more planning there than maybe it looked like at that. Uh, but during the worship service, the original plan was to have the band play some songs that we sing on. But in the midst of the testimonies and the noise that was going on in the room. God said, don't. Okay. He said, sing something everybody will know. And I thought, oh, okay. What is that? And then it dawned. I, see, I wasn't always a pastor. I wasn't even always a good Christian. Um, I used to frequent some places that I shouldn't frequent. <laughs> and I told Barry this the Wednesday after the service. I said, you know, in that moment it just dawned on me that uh, if I had to choose one song, that whether you came from the church house or the bar house, you would know it's amazing grace. <laughs> so we stopped and we sang one verse of amazing grace like a pellet. And in that moment, the Spirit of God moved in that cafeteria. 
Without the Spirit of God, it's just noise. It's just distraction. But with the Spirit of God comes a promise. Verse 14 says, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am Yahweh. I have spoken and I will do it. Did you catch that? Once I have breathed upon you, I'll place you in your land. Once you have life again, I will put you back in the land of Israel. That was God's promise to Israel. So what's it mean for us? He says, once I've sent my spirit upon you, I will put you where I want you to be. It's useless for us to say, well, this is what we want to do. If we're saying this is what we want to do in our church, we've got it wrong. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not even our church. It's God's church. It's God's church. And God's going to decide where he, where he wants us to go. We have to make our decisions through prayer. When God breathes upon us, He'll lead us into our promised land. He'll put us where He wants us to go. God puts us where He wants us. I can't do it. You can't do it. Only God can do it. And only He can do it for that reason. Because without the Spirit of God, there is no life. Now for your family, for you, the promise is the same. When we let God move, the Spirit move, He'll put you where He wants you. He'll do the things He wants to do in your life. He'll move. So that we will know that He is Lord. That's why. He does this. I've got to wrap this up, I promise. <laughs> he doesn't do these things to make us happy. He does these things so that we will know that He is the Lord. We may be happy because of it, but that's not why He does it. There's a bad theology out there floating around that God does things to make us happy. No, He does things so that we'll know that He is Lord. This morning, in this case, it was a hopeless situation that became the hope of a people. Where are you this morning? Can you have the faith of Ezekiel? Can you stand before the bones in your life and say, live? <laughs> Do you have that kind of faith this morning? Maybe this morning you have been... Maybe you have been in a hopeless spot. Maybe you have been looking going, oh... How am I ever going to get through this? The impossible questions of faith are hard. But the answer is always found in the person and power of God. He will make a way where there is no way. He will open a door that no one can shut and shut a door that no one can open. All you got to do is cry out and ask. Maybe this morning you've been letting the noise distract you. It's easy to do. There's a lot of noise out there. It's funny. My house is noisy. But it's not as noisy as the world. Because in the noise in my house, I can still hear the voice of God. But the world wants to drown out that noise. Maybe this morning you just want to pray. The altar is open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to start a missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known the one who died on that cross. You've never known Jesus. You've never taken a step to say, I want to be his. And so, and so maybe you are in this moment truly hopeless. Because if you die without Jesus, there is no hope. 
If you don't know Jesus this morning, come up this aisle and just over there try one on Jesus and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessing.